Now from Times Square, here's what you need to know. So glad to have you guys with us. We appreciate it. Dr. Darian is in for Dr. Jen today, and you're talking a lot about topics including measles. It's unfortunate that we have to have this conversation again. In 2019, I don't know if you remember, but that was our last big outbreak, and I was here in New York City treating some of the first cases of measles. So it's unfortunate that we're here today. Uh, many unvaccinated people then, and it seems like the same picture today. So here's what you need to know. First and foremost, how it's transmitted. Guys, this is incredibly infectious. It's most often transmitted from coughing to sneezing and even touching contaminated surfaces. In terms of how long it lasts, it's tricky because it happens in stages. Uh, first, it takes the rash, which is really what you have to focus on. That can take 14 days after exposure. And then, unfortunately, it's you're the most contagious around that rash. So four days before that rash starts to four days after that rash ends. And then isolation or quarantine. The reason why we focus on those who are unvaccinated is because of how infectious it is. If you're exposed, you should be quarantined for 21 days. But the most important part is vaccines are effective. They're up to 97% effective. So, guys, when I was treating those patients with measles, I wasn't concerned about myself because I know I'm fully vaccinated. So that's what we have to focus on. Yeah, and this outbreak at an elementary school in Florida. The state surgeon general saying it's up to parents and guardians to determine when their children can attend school, even those who are unvaccinated. So what are the risks? Who should we be concerned about here? Most concerned about unvaccinated children. It's not just about a rash we're preventing. The it, Measles can cause complications like pneumonia, encephalitis, inflammation of the brain, which can be lasting and permanent. So personally, my opinion is that it's not up to the parents. This is a public health decision. The parents are in need of education and advice, and that's our job as physicians to do. Great talk. Thank you. Of course. We turn now to ABC's Brad Milkey, the host and managing editor of the award-winning ABC podcast, Start Here. Also, our dear friend. We love having him. Good afternoon, Brad. Good afternoon, Eva. Thanks for having me. We begin with the top congressional leaders summoned to the White House. President Biden sitting down with Senate leaders Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell, as well as House Republican Mike Johnson and Democrat Hakeem Jeffries, to press lawmakers to pass an emergency aid package for Ukraine and Israel, as well as to avoid a looming government shutdown here at home. Ukraine officials warning they are at a critical breaking point in their war with Russia without that influx of ammunition. The major blow for Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley after former President Trump trounced her in South Carolina, sweeping up most of the delegates in her home state. And now an advocacy organization backed by billionaire Charles Koch says it will no longer spend money on her behalf, according to an internal staff memo reviewed by ABC News. Haley is campaigning in Michigan today as Super Tuesday approaches. The head of the RNC, Ronna McDaniel, expected to step down just after those big contests. Now let's go to Ginger Z with the cross-country storm on the move. There is a huge storm that's blasting through the Rockies, and we're already seeing it in the Cascades this morning. Two-inch per hour snowfall rates. Winter storm warnings there through the afternoon. Down into the Wasatch of Utah and the high wind alerts for up to 70-mile-per-hour gusts in several states out west. Now, this thing is going to keep trudging east, and for Tuesday and Tuesday night, it's going to open up into severe storms. We're talking about tornadoes, damaging wind and hail in Chicago, Fort Wayne, all the way to Ypsilanti, southwest Michigan, back into Missouri. So that is preceded by record high temperatures as well. And a little tea leaf reading at this weekend's 30th annual SAG Awards in L.A. Oppenheimer walking away with a big victory, best motion picture cast performance. That category often seen as a precursor to the Oscars best picture winner. And Barbara Streisand winning a Lifetime Achievement Award saying her mom wanted her to learn typing instead. But I didn't listen, said Babs. And speaking of long shots, check out this last second miracle from a star on the Haddonfield, New Jersey team. Seventh grader Sarah with the buzzer beater from well beyond 
half court. This was to break up a tie game in overtime. Now Sarah has sent her team to the championship game. Go Bulldogs. Back to you guys. Go Sarah. That's right. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Thank you. And still ahead on GMA 3 on this Monday, the possible agreement in the works right now to return the hostages believed to be held by Hamas. Our team reporting from Tel Aviv. Plus the TikTok series that has been keeping people up late at night. The woman claiming she was scammed by her husband and what you can learn from her story. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to GMA 3. We turn now to the Israel-Hamas war approaching its fifth month. Some hopeful news as an Israeli source tells ABC News that its mediators have agreed to a deal to bring some hostages home and establish a temporary ceasefire. No word yet whether Hamas will agree to the deal's parameters. Israel says about 100 hostages remain in Hamas captivity and according to Gaza's Hamas-run health ministry, the death toll there is approaching 30,000. Joining us now from Tel Aviv is ABC foreign correspondent Tom Soupy-Burge. Tom, good to see you. We'll start with this question. What's the latest on the ground and a possible ceasefire deal? Hey, DeMarco. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an air of optimism on the ground here in Israel. Things appear to be moving in the right direction. We had talks involving U.S. officials in Paris on Friday. As a result of those talks, uh, we got a framework. And an Israeli official, as you said, uh, confirming to ABC News that they have accepted this framework. Now, that framework would mean a six-week ceasefire, potentially a 40 hostages being released. We're talking about the elderly, the sick potentially female soldiers held by Hamas, but not male soldiers, Israeli soldiers being held by Hamas, uh, and not the return of bodies of those hostages who have been sadly killed uh, in captivity. Uh, in return, Israel would release hundreds of Palestinian prisoners. The IDF potentially uh, redeploying in Gaza, but not withdrawing from the Strip completely. Now, talks are ongoing this week. Uh, the head, the political head of Hamas is in Qatar right now for talks. These are very sensitive, tricky negotiations. They're ongoing. There's a lot more work to do, but things appear to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, there's a lot at play, including mm -hmm. the holy month of Ramadan begins soon. The King of Jordan warning that fighting during Ramadan could expand this conflict. Is that a factor in these, this whole ceasefire deal? Yeah, Eva, it's definitely a factor. I mean, look, Ramadan is a sensitive time. The month of Ramadan, it's a very, very important time for Muslims all around the world. It's sensitive in this region. The chance of escalation, not only in Gaza, but in the broader Middle East during that period, does go up. It has, I think, uh, the beginning of Ramadan, so that's two weeks today, March the 11th. It has become a kind of a target which both sides of negotiators are working towards. It's not a hard and fast deadline, but certainly there is an impetus to try and get a deal before Ramadan begins. Tom, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says that despite being delayed by the ceasefire, Israeli forces will move into Rafah. That's the southern Gaza city uh, where what more than a million people are now being sheltered in place there. What's the latest on those plans? Yeah, DeMarco, so what's happened this morning is that the Israeli war cabinet is considering a plan put forward by the IDF to move civilians uh, out of that area. Now, we're talking, as you said, more than a million, potentially about 1.4 million people concentrated in that southern part of the Gaza Strip. These are people, many of them, who have fled from other areas throughout the course of the war. What we don't have from Israel is the detail. How they're going to move such a huge number of people, where are they going to move them to? And the White House over the weekend saying it had not seen the plans from Israel either. In fact, uh, the national security spokesperson, Jake Sullivan, saying 
no Israeli military plan or operation should go into should happen in Rafa before there's a credible and executable plan to protect civilians, the huge number of civilians in that area where the humanitarian need is acute. Yeah, let's talk about that humanitarian need. A lot of people calling it a humanitarian crisis. What's the latest on trying to get aid into that area? Well, either again, there seems to be a sort of bit of a movement in the right direction on the issue of getting those aid trucks into the Gaza Strip. I mean, what's definitely been the case is that in the last few weeks, we have seen probably about 100 trucks a day on average, very roughly speaking. Israeli officials saying that yesterday there was an uptick, Palestinian officials disputing that. What's clear, though, is if you're talking about 100 trucks a day, that is way short of the UN's target of 500 trucks. I mean, the World Food Programme recently saying that 500 trucks, uh, that if basically Gaza needs to be flooded with aid uh, to mitigate and prevent a potential famine. And sadly, we're seeing more and more evidence of malnourished children uh, inside Gaza right now. Again, like the, the need of food, the humanitarian situation, the lack of sanitation is, is just so acute inside that very small strip of land right now. So, you know, there's a massive impetus. It's linked to those talks, those negotiations for a, a deal, a ceasefire and the release of the hostages. The aid getting into Gaza is one of the factors of that kind of bigger picture, if you like. And Israeli officials also saying that they are considering opening an additional crossing point into the Gaza Strip. And if that were to happen, that would be a, another move in the right direction. One thing is for sure, the world is watching. ABC's Tom Sloopy Burge. Tom, thank you and good to see you. We appreciate it. All right, still ahead, we are talking and taking a look at the TikTok series that has taken over the office chat. Everybody's talking oh, about Oh, goodness. This. Monday morning quarterback <laughs> Mike Muse introduces us to the viral sensation and the question she raises about the suspected scammers among us. Come on back. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. All right, welcome back to GMA3. It is Monday. You know what that means. It is time for another round of Monday Morning Quarterback. And here to catch us up on what we need to know from the weekend is our own Mike Muse. Yo. This one, I cannot oh wait to get into my. it. Give us the buzz off TikTok. I mean, the <laughs> biggest moment, and I just couldn't wait for every TikTok episode to drop, is the world-buzzing Risa M. Tessa, mm -hmm. uh, who has this most provocative TikTok series called Who Did I Marry? Uh, there's some other provocative letters in there, but we <laughs> shall not name those letters. Uh, she has a world of buzz unveiling what she claims to be is fraud by her ex-husband. Uh, it is a series that's over 50 parts, and she tells this epic claims that she alleges that her ex-husband uh, scammed her out of money. She talked about fake families, that he, allegedly fake families that got created, uh, fake money, fake jobs, 
Allegedly, he said, she says, he even took her to a cemetery of where his grandparents were buried at. Come to find out, allegedly, he just used to work at that cemetery, and I those can't. were not his mm -hmm. grandparents. And once you start, all. you can't stop. That's the problem. Once you, you start with one of them, you have to follow the entire series. Well, DeMarco, the data proves that you are absolutely right because she's up to already 30 million likes, Eva. Uh, each video was getting 10 to 30 million views each. Uh, there are approximately about 10 minute videos, and it's just gripping and captivating. And uh, it's just her narrating it. Mm -hmm. That's all she's doing. <laughs> it's her in a car, uh, her sitting in her bed, uh, just telling the story. Now, it's important to note that her ex-husband has come out and has denied all these claims, but she's turned into this content creator sensation. Uh, it's showing you when you are your authentic self, uh, people can resonate with it. People can gravitate towards it, and people are willing to send her on trips now, and I'm just waiting for oh, she's East. Blown up. Yeah, I'm waiting for Issa Rae or Corey Jefferson just to write the script. Netflix decided. Yeah, right? Ava DuVernay directed. I mean. You know, and, and, and if it is true, because, of course, these are, you know, accusations, but if it is true, there were many red flags mm -hmm. along the way. I mean, you're watching it like, wait a minute, you bought that? Like, yeah. how often do we see what we want to see? and not see. It's so interesting because Time Magazine yesterday just rolled out this article that talked about how it's so easy for us to be scammed. And because a lot of times what she was saying to us was that she wanted to find love. And so sometimes when you are so emotionally driven and you're so heart driven that sometimes we don't rationally think about things when the warning signs are there. We just want to believe the flags that are there. But what's so interesting to Marco and Eva is that doing some investigation over the weekend because this is what I do. <laughs> I looked into what the Federal Trade Commission had to say. Eve, I have some numbers for you. The Federal, the Federal Trade Commission released their findings this month that in 2003 was the highest year for fraud. Um, the FTC nationwide fraud loss topped $10 billion. Mm. And to get into this, imposter scams were the second highest at two. $2.7 billion. So Risa Mtisa isn't only on being scammed, but we have some news for our audience out there to recognize the signs of when you possibly are being fraud or are scammed. The first is they pressure you to make fast decisions, right? Quick, fast, and a hurry. They ask you for money using cryptocurrency, bank wires, or gift cards. Risa Mtisa was alleging that her husband would take screenshots of a bank account that wasn't even his, but that she found on Google. Uh, and they ask inappropriate questions. Uh, they tell vague or inconsistent stories about their lives, including allegedly her ex-husband left out the story that he was a twin. And what came revealed allegedly is that ultimately he wanted his twin's life. And so he created a scenario oh. in his head, allegedly, uh, that was off of his twin. Uh, they press you for personal information, like Social security numbers, account numbers, home address, credit card, uh, and mother's maiden name. So be careful out there, America. But listen, Eva and your friends, if you feel like you're being scammed, please make sure, America, you go to the Federal Trade Commission, uh, has a Consumer Response Center, and you can find out more at the Report Fraud FTC website. And if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. It is. But the layers on this story are like... And they keep peeling back. <laughs> you know what even so funny? Like, I would see people, like, online saying, like, the weekend had them captured. You know, they stopped doing errands. 
and I became that person. Like, you push one in, and I didn't leave my couch for the entire weekend. Oh, you're weekend. sold. You're stuck yeah. in. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how this all plays out for her. Same here. Thanks, all right, Mike. Mike. Thank you very much. Careful. We'll mm-hmm. see you next week for Monday Morning Quarterback. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's getting <laughs> juicy. It back it's to getting you juicy. We got it. We'll, we'll back it. to you. We'll, we'll take Eva. it. Eva. <laughs> I didn't catch one. Go long, Eva. Go long. <laughs> when do we come back? Dr. Jerry with a deep dive into a problem that millions of Americans are facing. Headaches and migraines. We have too much fun. But I love it. I'm not good at ball sports with your hands. Only like I can I can play soccer. That's about it. It's imaginary. Plus, we're the, on the road to the Oscars. Just about two weeks away now. We'll take a look at one film recounting a harrowing crash in the mountains of South America. When we come back, stay with he us. Toss the ball and Eva's hands just went up. Yeah, he just went. <laughs> Don't hit me in the Don't face. Don't toss it to me. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though. It's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Dr. Darian is here. Amy Schumer sharing that fans' questions about her appearance encouraged her to get checked out. She was recently diagnosed with Cushing syndrome. Break this down for us. Mm -hmm. So this syndrome, you know, it's rare, but it's due to something really important, too much cortisol. We know what cortisol is. It's that stress hormone, but it's also a very important hormone that's connected to many different systems in our body, which is why patients can present with a variety of symptoms. The most important thing here is the workup and finding out why that cortisol is so high. Mm -hmm. So what can you do to keep it from happening to you? You know, I think paying attention to your body. This is something that's often misdiagnosed. Uh, For example, women more likely are to get this for reasons that we don't completely understand. And for example, they're often misdiagnosed with something like PCOS or uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is another syndrome that causes hormonal problems, but is not this one. So I think it's paying attention to your symptoms and having open conversations with your physician. It's so interesting to me because she didn't notice how her face had gotten puffier, but all the fans were being pretty critical. And Mm -hmm. she, she points to that as the reason she even got checked. It's another reminder. You, know, you never know what people are going through. Some of the common symptoms that she experienced include changes to your face, like a, a puffy or a wider face. Even some patients have abnormal hair growth. Uh, some patients have abnormal stretch marks or easy bruising. It can be very, really, really variable, but it's about getting that first test, having that first conversation, which is why it's so helpful when people like Amy bring it up. And real quick, stress, does it play a factor? You know, it does, but I will say that it's one of those factors that we can't really measure. You know, this is associated to a stress hormone, but not directly due to that. But if you get to the reason why, you can find a cure and you can resolve it, which is the good news. All right, the doctor has spoken. Thank you very much. Of course. We're back in a moment. Stay with us. Y'all remember like a year back, I was like, I want to go to Piney Woods. And then y'all was like, you better be ready. I still prioritize education. It's a way of showing myself that I can do better than what I was told that I could do. What would be the legacy of the school if, unfortunately, we had to close? That's just not an option. We're the epitome of resilience and hope, and you can't take that away. 
Mm. Welcome back to GMA3. What you need to know, that's a glimpse of a compelling new documentary from Disney's ESPN's Anscape on one of America's oldest black boarding schools called Sacred Soil, the Piney Woods School Story. It's streaming now on Hulu, part of their Black History Month slate. Well, that's going to be a good one. I've actually been there. It's in Mississippi. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful program. Yeah, it changes a lot of lives. Talking health headlines today, headaches account for over 3 million emergency department visits each year across the country. You are an ER doctor, so Dr. Darian is here to answer your biggest headache questions and offer us some simple solutions. And here's the question, what's the difference between a headache and a migraine and oh. when should I see a doctor? That's from Christine T. That, that's a great question. I think I was ignorant to it before I became a physician thinking that they're very much the same, but they're very different. A migraine is more than just a really bad headache. It usually involves other symptoms like light sensitivity or sound sensitivity. I've had one patient tell me that an air conditioner being on sounded like a hurricane and that's wow. what it can be for those who are suffering from from migraines, it can be debilitating. I think the most important thing to look for are when you have new symptoms with your headache. If you have numbness, tingling, weakness, changes in vision, and you've never had that before, you need to get that checked out. And what does a migraine aura look like? When yeah. is it serious? So that's something common. We, we define that in medicine as a classic symptom of a migraine. Many of those who live with migraines know what an aura is. It's usually visual changes. It can start as a blind spot in the middle of your day before your headache symptoms start. And that's a signal that you need to get away from whatever is stimulating you, but also take your medications and get your migraine under control. You're so right. See a doctor right away. What, your, what is your prescription for wellness? Well, how to treat a headache. You know, headaches and migraines, we kind of go down the same path when we're working on treating them. Number one, when you're having a headache or a migraine, if you have prescribed medication, take it. Number two, turn down what's stimulating you. That means turning down the lights, turning down the volume. Make sure you can or you can apply a cold or a hot compress. Hot compresses will help relax your muscles. Cold compresses will help you with numbing and also hydrating. One of the first things I do when a patient comes in with a headache is hydrate them with IV fluids. You can drink fluids that can have the mm -hmm. same benefit. You can sip on caffeine and that can be helpful. And then one more important thing, tracking your triggers. Every Everyone has a different trigger. Up to 20%, for example, is associated to food, like red wine or nitrates. So knowing what your triggers are is really helpful to prevent another migraine. I love that staying hydrated. Drinking water absolutely. can sometimes make your headache go away. It sometimes can, absolutely. Rest, uh, dark lights, uh, turning down the volume, all those things, making sure you're in a comfortable space. All right, doctor, thank you very much. And folks, we would love to hear from you. So hit us up on Instagram with all of your medical questions for our medical unit here at ABC GMA3. And just ahead when we come back, inside the making of this Oscar hopeful society of the snow a story of remarkable resilience following a disastrous plane crash and time is ticking what you need to know before filing that tax return when we come back stay with us all right welcome back folks to gma3 a spanish movie about a plane crash in the andes mountains is on the road to the oscars this year netflix says the society of the snow became a hit on the streaming platform within just 10 days of its release getting an estimated 51 million views and now it's nominated for best international feature and best makeup and hairstyling we cut up with the team behind the film and one of the survivors october 13th 1972 a tragic event unfolds when a flight chartered by a Uruguayan amateur rugby team with 45 people on board crashes into the Andes Mountains. Stranded in the unimaginable cold, surviving passengers endure 72 harrowing days before rescue finally arrives. Today, after a 10-day struggle down the mountains, two men stumbled into a small town in central Chile and asked for help. A helicopter flew out six more survivors and, le and left mountain survival experts with eight others who were still alive. 
Now, five decades later, the new Netflix movie, Society of the Snow, brings back to the big screen this gripping tale of human survival some never told before. My intention was always to rescue the memories of those who stay in the mountain, who never came back, and that were so important for the 16 survivors. These people deserve a film, the same way the survivors had two movies before. For 51 years, there was this barrier of silence between the survivors and the families of the dead. And now the film has opened up this possibility of all of them coming along together. ¿Qué pasa cuando el mundo te abandona? The film starts as a journey back to the Andes, trying to understand what was left, trying to decipher if that was a tragedy or a miracle. We decided to tell the story through the eyes of one of them, the last one, to die, just 10 days before the rescue. Me llamo Numa. Morí el 11 de diciembre de 1972. Las historias un poco siempre las cuentan ¿no? los que ganan o los que viven. Y en este caso darle la oportunidad de, de darle voz a los muertos me parece hermoso. Es somebody that had a lot of problems in adapting to the mountain. He didn't took care of himself. He was all about the other ones. That's an example of extreme generosity. Todas las personas que hablé de él, sus amigos que lo conocieron, familiares, los supervivientes, todos tienen cosas espectaculares que decir de él. Numa has been for me a hero. He was always giving the best from all the, the team. He represents all the, our friends who die. This was the opportunity to say thanks to them. The film tries to be as authentic as possible. We had to shoot in the most extreme conditions. We went to the Andes three times. We needed to experience that location and understand how epic is what they went through. Our story has been told for 51 years, but this is the first time the viewers of the film, they feel the same thing that we experienced in the mountain. They couldn't believe how we survived. We spent 10 years trying to make this film. It was impossible. Everybody was telling us that there would be no audience for a movie with this level of ambition in Spanish. For best international feature film, Society of the Snow, Spain. The nomination to the Oscars gives a lot of visibility to the story. I think you want the story to be seen as, as much as possible. It's very important for us that this film continue all around the world because we have a very, very good message about love, solidarity, friendship, and a spirit of work together. We didn't ask God to send us the helicopter. We asked God to give us strength to walk, to climb, to fight because we believe in life. Oh my, what a fascinating story. And so glad that it's being told. And a shout out to Victor, our producer, for putting that together. A reminder that you can catch the 96 Academy Awards March 10th at an all new earlier time, 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on ABC. I like what the guy said. It's both a story about tragedy and the miracle. Mm -hmm. Just ahead here on GMA3, why taxpayers who paid penalties in the past may receive a refund this tax season. Yeah, listen up. And that's just one nugget that we have for you. We're getting tax tips from a former IRS agent when we come back. Stay with us. 
We're back now and the 2024 tax season is officially in full swing with many new changes that may impact your taxes. Yeah, listen up. Joining us now with everything that we need to know before the April 15 deadline is former IRS agent and Forbes advisor <laughs> tax journalist CPA Kimberly Washington. <laughs> Good to so see much. you, Kimberly. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Thank you so, so let's much. talk about some of the changes. What will we see right. differently when we oh, file this year? There's going to be a lot of different changes when you file your taxes this year. For starters, a lot of people are going to see larger amounts when it comes to the standard deduction. This is an amount that's available if you choose not to itemize. Now keep in mind, if you're someone who's single, it's about $13,850. If you're married, it's $27,700. And of course, if you're head of household, it's about $20,800. But that de definitely reduces your tax liability. So that's something you want to keep your eye out for. And the second thing are expanded tax brackets this year. If you're someone who's looking and saying, okay, I want to save some money, there may be some cost savings because the IRS is actually lowering your tax brackets just a little bit. So let me give you an example. If you're someone in 2022 and you had taxable income of about $44,000, your top tax rate was about 22%. But this year, it's only about 12%. So some people are going to see some tax savings when it comes to their taxes this year. Let's talk about this, the proposed changes to the child yes. tax credit. All people with kids always yes. look at that, right? So explain what the differences are, how they've changed it this season. Right. So this is something you want to be on the lookout for because there are some proposed changes. It hasn't passed just yet. It is headed to the Senate, so we're going to see. But the way that it stands right now, if you're someone who has a child under the age of 17, you may qualify for the child tax credit. It's about $2,000 that you'll receive. It is based off your income in order to determine whether or not you'll get the full credit. If these changes do pass the Senate, and we'll see pretty soon, you're going to see a larger amount when it comes to the child tax credit. And a larger refundable amount means that's more money you can put back into your pocket. It's proposed to change to about $1,800 when it comes to the child tax credit. As it relates to the refundable portion. So we need to see. And of course, if it does change, you may see some of that refund this year when you file your tax return. And this was something that caught my eye. Taxpayers who paid penalties in yes. the past may receive a refund. They may. They may. This is a big deal. It's like a get out of jail free from the IRS. They're saying, hey, if you, of course, have penalties, failure to pay for 2020 and 2021, you may get a refund or credit to your account. And the IRS is saying because of the height of the pandemic, they didn't provide proper notices. So they're saying, hey, we did a bad thing. We're going to fix it. You'll get a refund of this credit, of course, if you paid. Also, you do want to keep in mind, if you don't qualify for this penalty abatement, you can do what's called the first-time penalty abatement. This is a cool thing, an easy way where you can call the IRS and say, hey, listen, for the last three years, I didn't have any penalties. Do I qualify? And you may. It's very easy to get. You can pick up the phone, call the IRS, and get a penalty abatement. Wow. Um, there's yes. some credits out there for trying to push people to do energy efficient yes. things. There's a tax credit. If you yes. get an electric vehicle, break yes. this down for us. Yes. This is really, really a big deal because starting this year, you can get that money up front. In the prior years, you had to wait until tax time. But you can get $7,500 in your pocket when you go to the registered car dealership. And the IRS is saying, hey, we're going to give you this money up front. You can use it as a down payment or you can use it as a rebate and get cash back into your pocket. You can use it as a down yes. payment. Yes, you can wow. use it as a down payment this year. So that's a really big deal when it comes to the EV. So if you're thinking about getting an EV, this would be the year to do so. You do have to meet certain qualifications, so you definitely want to make sure that you do. But if you're thinking about definitely moving into a different type of vehicle, this will be the year to do so. That's huge. $7,500? $7,500 up front, on the spot, and you can get that money this year. Mm. I always wonder what the IRS agents look like. They look like <laughs> a pie agent looks like this. <laughs> you seem so nice. <laughs> they are, they're nice people at the IRS. They're really awesome, nice people there. So. <laughs>
Our thanks to you, Kimberly Thank Washington. You so much. Thanks so much for mm -hmm. being with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Up next here on GMA3, she lights up the screen in the blockbuster Oppenheimer. Emily Blunt in a candid conversation with our very own Chris Connolly. The Academy Awards less than two weeks away. We're back in a moment. All right, finally, we are on the road to Oscars night when the biggest stars on the big screen join together for the ultimate celebration, recognizing best in film. ABC's Chris Connolly spoke with actress Emily Blunt, who is nominated for Best Supporting Actress for her role in Oppenheimer. Her first Oscar nomination ever comes for her supporting role in Oppenheimer. That's happening, isn't it? Emily Blunt giving a note-perfect performance as Oppie's brilliant, troubled wife, Kitty, forced to endure the indignities of a mid-century marriage. It's going to waste at the ironing board. What do you kind of mean by that? Well, I just think she was a woman who was meant for vast intellectual pursuits and I think had to contort herself to being a housewife. That brilliant brain went to waste in domesticity and she probably simmered away with frustration in the loneliness of Los Alamos. There's no kitchen. You're the first woman to be nominated as an actor in a Christopher Nolan film. Is that true? It all began when writer-director Nolan invited Blunt to his home for a pressure-packed first read of his then-top-secret Oppenheimer script. He's sort of lurking in the next room, and I was like, I'm going to have to put together something very smart to say about this script. <laughs> but it was So he literally racing. hands it to you, He right? hands it to you. I read it in his library. It was the most heart-stopping, exhilarating script. I think Oppenheimer is maybe one of Chris's most emotional movies. You don't get to commit the sin. And then I was all feel sorry for you that it had consequences. From the Devil Wears Prada with Meryl Streep and Anne Hathaway. Are you wearing the, sh the Chanel boots? Yeah, I am. To the potent silences of A Quiet Place with real-life husband John Krasinski. Blunt is no stranger to smart scripts. Time on set with Killian Murphy meant getting used to Nolan's use of IMAX cameras. Which are loud. They're like they? Chewbacca coming through the room. They're so loud. <laughs> I think when you put the IMAX camera on Killian's face and use his face as a landscape, as you normally would a landscape, you can't rip your eyes away from him because you just see every nuance, every ripple. At Nolan's direction, Blunt's character would cause a few additional ripples in Killian's now famous face. You're fighting. <laughs> and Christopher Nolan gives you a direction. Do you remember what that direction was? Slap him. Yeah, he'll be fine, he said. And he was fine, but I was gonna sort of fake hit him. And Chris said, just hit him. <laughs> so, so I did. How many times? Several, but he was brave. Killian's a tough cookie. Kitty's cookie crumbles more than once in Oppenheimer, beset by alcohol and her husband's remoteness. Yet when he's under siege, she revives on his behalf. On screen, it's one more vivid example of Emily Blunt's remarkable talent. I want you fight. You've got an ability for her to reclaim that brilliant brain and that dignity at the end, you know, because she lost dignity in people's eyes. She's sort of the most honest person, really, and... And she's right. They kind of were a great team. Her range mm -hmm. is amazing. Wishing yeah. her the best. Yes. Such a good performance. And mm -hmm. our thanks to Chris Connolly for that great interview. A reminder, you can catch the 96th Academy Awards March 10th at an all-new earlier time, 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on ABC. And that is what you need to know for this Monday. I'm Eva Pilgrim. And I'm DeMarco Morgan. For all of us here at ABC News, have a wonderful day, and we'll see you tomorrow. 
as in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.